0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. Yes, it is. Welcome to the program. It's Friday, December 29th. We're headed into the New Year's weekend. Of course, that means we're headed towards Alabama, Michigan, 4 o'clock on Monday afternoon. Can't wait for that. I can wait for this chilly weather, though, Lars. It is cold. And they're actually mentioning the possibilities of a light snow-terrain mix, even in Birmingham, from Birmingham North. So I know I'm not looking forward to anything like that, but, uh, you know, that's another walk in a winter park in Lincoln, Nebraska. How are you
2: today, my friend? I am terrific. Um, I'm actually going to be jetting out of here after the show today and going back to my home state uh, where the, the, the state lo- the state slogan is the good life. So I'll be heading, heading to the good life in to Nebraska here in a little bit. And so, yeah, leaving this weather behind, uh, you know, my mom was just here and she looked at me this morning as we're just walking to the car to go to the airport. And uh, she's like, it's not supposed to be this cold in Alabama, Lars. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. nope, it's not. <laughs> you can talk to my buddy Matt Coulter about that.
1: Yeah. Hey, where? Uh, what's the weather like in Nebraska right now? Uh,
2: I I'm think curious. it's pretty cold. I think it's cold. It's actually colder there than it is here. Yeah. But but uh, not yeah. to y'all. It could be 20, no. and that's okay. Just. Uh... But this is, a, I swear, there were times in my childhood where you wouldn't see the sun for like three weeks and it's just very gray and that's what it is today it's just a very gray cold December uh late December afternoon here in uh in 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 Alabama and uh kind of feels like home actually it is home you know what I've been here I've been here like uh I'm about to approach 20 years of living in Alabama, and I finally have come to the conclusion that this is my home. <laughs> this is where I'm raising right. my kids. <laughs> like uh, this is I I can't say yeah I'm from New York or I'm from Nebraska anymore. Like I, I'm from Alabama, and uh, proud to be from Alabama.
1: Well, and happy to have you here. <laughs> yeah, it, it took a while, Dixie, <laughs> it, I don't think it, I don't think it's the heart of Dixie anymore. But Anyway, uh, bowl season's really kicked in, and you've got uh, four more today. There were four yesterday. Did you have a chance to watch any of the Pop-Tart Bowl? And I don't mean necessarily the game, but the Pop-Tart Bowl, as far as its festivities were concerned. Did you see halftime? No. You know, the cute little pop tart guys that run around that have the frosting on their chest and they have a little head they're in the tv commercials anyway they were a part of the halftime show it was just quite entertaining and i don't know if you saw this but it's trophy of the year their trophy is like a silver football okay and it's kind of you know it's laying in kind of the form that you kick off okay it's on a tee and right beside the laces, there are two little toasters that you put the Pop-Tarts in when you give them the trophy. I'm sorry. It just cracked me up. Maybe I'm the only one, but there were a few people that were there, out there on is, social media last night yeah. that were going crazy about it. I thought it was pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Um, it was all over social. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, did you get anything from the press conferences yesterday, which were going on uh, out in Pasadena while we were on air? Did you get a chance to to go and, and listen to Coach Saban and uh, Jalen Milrow and, and others uh, just uh, interact with the media and uh, and a little bit of their back and forth?
1: I read some. I heard some. I think the. Biggest quote to come out of yesterday was Jalen Milrow talking about Bill O'Brien, not favorably. But, yeah, I kind of got the gist. I, I feel as though you're heading somewhere.
2: Um, I was just struck by... Like, did that, you hear that, something? Uh, yeah. Well, I was struck by Michigan defensive coordinator Jesse Minner. Um, and he uh, basically said that uh, that Jalen Milrow is like Reggie Bush running the ball. Uh, He said it's not like a quarterback that's scrambling and he's going to slide and you make sure you don't hit him so you don't get a penalty. He said this dude is going to like a legit tailback or like a legit slot receiver once he's in space. (laughs) He's going to run like a legit tailback or legit receiver. And uh, it's good to see that, you know, so many of the stories that are being written coming out of Los Angeles uh, slash Pasadena – are just gushing uh, about Jalen and effusive in their praise of, of Jalen because this guy he's, he's this young man has, has traveled a long road to get where he is right now and uh, you know we, we have been critical of him we have been also you know trying to be uh, you know honest in our Support. assessment yeah, yeah and, and, and and just hoping for the best for him. And he's just handled himself with such uh, grace and and dignity and uh, just flashing, wonderful integrity. And uh, again, I I go back to the South Florida game when he was benched and didn't get a chance to play. He wasn't sulking at the end of the bench. He was, uh, you know, he was there, he was supportive. He was, uh, you know, as big a cheerleader as he could be. And in a lot of ways, Matt, that's when he won the job. That's how he won over the, he won team. the team. Yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, is that that that's uh, it, it, it? You always, when you're writing about a, a, a scene, you always want like, some action, right? Well, <laughs> to get to the definitive moment of uh, of of the plot. And uh, the definitive moment is him just standing on the sideline being supportive. <laughs> it's not anything he did on the field. You know, I guess you could also make the argument, uh, you know, the, the, the long pass that he hit against, uh, what was it, Ole Miss uh, and actually just got crushed uh, as, he, as he threw the ball. Uh, maybe you could point at that. It was when he won the team. But I, I really think it was the, the South Florida game. And to go from that moment, Right when it's just pouring rain, and he's he's on the sideline at the start of the game, and that moment to where he is now—what a remarkable transformation! It takes a lot of character
1: to do that. I mean, I know he's got these physical skills that are off the charts, but he's got it upstairs too, and he's also he could be funny too. But I did read more about Mentor and telling the media that it's been kind of difficult to replicate a quarterback scout scout team quarterback (laughs) because he's got such an arm he's got such abilities to run the football but they're managing and um, Michigan's gonna put up their dukes this Saturday this Monday Saturday you got Auburn Maryland and I don't know if I told you this or not Lars but I'm actually gonna get up early in the morning and go so uh go Up there with some of my buddies that I went to high school with, or actually, they went to Auburn, I went to Alabama. But, um, we're gonna get up in the morning, it's gonna be cold. I gotta pull out the old Nebraska gear, but anyway, uh, Loralee Thompson has been a, a part of our show all fall, dating back to summer, actually. Uh, And just a very, very insightful football fan. And she is really all about Crimson. She is going to join us here in just a little bit. Then uh, later on in the show, we will go Pasadena on you, as uh, Mike Rodak will be joining us from Bama 24-7. And then also our very own Ryan Fowler, will be with us, too. So we'll take our first break, and when we come back, the Bama Broker will be joining us as you listen to Big Noon Sports.
2: Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just gonna show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and. And build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the That's Laura Lee at the
0: Trust your trouble. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. You could see a rain
3: shower or a sprinkle, maybe a flurry today. No impacts expected, topping out around 46. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies with an overnight low of 32. And for your Saturday clearing during the afternoon after a cloudy start, today time high 49. I'm mean, your Bill Murray, on Tide 100.9.
4: It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. That's
1: Big Noon Sports. Lars, Wyatt, Matt, and our dear friend Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, who was with us every Friday when we were doing our shows live from Tuscaloosa from Ennis Free Irish Pub. And she is with us because we got to talk all things Michigan. How are you, Laura Lee? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.
5: Same to y'all. Doing really well.
1: Did you have a good Christmas? Not to go into detail. Did you spend it here or did you go to the slopes or the beach?
5: No, we were at my sister's and we had a good Christmas. Had to deal with people being sick. So that seems to be going around. But other than that, you know, it was great. And I do have to tell you that my husband gave me a great present. And um, I have never worn anybody else's jersey in all these years. And he bought me a Jalen Hurts Eagles jersey. And I was so excited.
2: Cool. uh, (laughs) is. Is Jalen one of uh, Jalen Hurts uh, your all-time favorite Alabama player?
5: One of them, yes. You know mm-hmm. we have so many greats, but um, yeah, I've I've always been a, a Jalen Hurts fan.
2: Yeah, he. Uh, wow, uh, he, he just there. There's so much to say about Jalen Hurts and. You know, when he was a freshman, he wasn't allowed to talk to the media. And I did a a really long story on Jalen for Bleacher Report. Went down to Channel View, Texas, and and hung out with... uh, Just his former high school teammates, uh, people in the band who knew Jalen, and he was just so popular. And uh, uh, Matt, he he was very popular among the uh, young females too. A big, uh, they were. (laughs) He was a big fan, or he uh, was very much admired by uh, by everyone there. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about the other Jalen, Jalen Milrow. What uh, what is your feeling about Jalen and, and uh, as he approaches this game? Uh, what uh, what are your expectations for him?
5: Well, I think Jalen is going to do Jalen things. Um, you know, I've been high on him even preseason, and uh, ha- am very happy for him and the way uh, not only. You know, and people talk about how he progressed, but as we have also talked about how um, I think Tommy Reese was finally able to run his offense instead of the Bama offense that we had under Bill O'Brien. I think that's what you're seeing such a huge difference.
2: Were you surprised to hear that uh, Bill O'Brien told Jalen that he should switch positions?
5: No, you have to understand that uh, Bill O'Brien ran a completely different offense. He ran one that was worked for Bryce Young, and you know, like who was uh, he? He did not run an offense that. would have excelled in, and I think that's what you saw at the beginning of the season. And it was that same offense. Instead, if you go back and watch Tommy Reese's offense at Notre Dame, he's running what he ran. It's much more closely aligned to what we're seeing now with a lot of 12 personnel.
1: You are quite insightful when it comes to the game of football, Miss Laurie Thompson. I want to go back to Melrose Hurts. Can you see some of the characteristics uh, athletically and personally that uh, run parallel with those two quarterbacks?
5: Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, even their attitude. Um, You know, take the fact that uh, they're both very similar quarterbacks and that they're a threat to run and you can't bring them down. Uh, it, it's just their sweet disposition. Um, I love how Melrose you know, I write at the end all interviews and the way he says Roll Tide with that smile. <laughs> I think he is just someone that everybody looks at and you can't help but like the guy.
2: Laura Lee, you um, are as, as plugged in as, as anyone when it comes to the Alabama fan base. Uh, what is your expectation for the crowd? Is it going to be, I think it's going to be about 65, 35 Michigan, 65% Michigan fans, 35% Alabama fans. What what is What is your expectation of that? And the, the people that you have talked to, uh, are, are they kind of you know just waiting to go to Houston? Uh, you know, from their perspective, hopefully the Alabama gets to the national championship game, so we'll just we'll go to Houston instead of going out to LA.
5: Well, both. I know people who uh, already uh, left for LA. I know I have some friends that were going uh, to Vegas first and then going out to LA. So I think you uh, are probably right. I would say, you know, Michigan is going to show up more than Alabama. And I think a lot of it has to do with it being in the Rose Bowl for both parties. Number one, you know, that's a big deal for Michigan and the Big Ten. But for Alabama, um, I mean, it's a big deal, don't get me wrong, but many of us have the same opinion of the venue itself and don't want to, I, I mean, I don't like going there. Um, they can't get you in and out. Uh, you, the bathrooms and concessions are outside the stadium and you have to go through this tunnel. And, I mean, if you have to go to the restroom or get something to drink, you're going to miss a quarter trying to get back in. Wow. Um, it, it's just not, I you know, I know it's the tradition and it's the Rose Bowl, but as the stadium itself, that's why we're not going. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. <laughs>
1: I didn't. Um, I, knew, I knew people had commented that it was bad, but I didn't know that about the concession stands in the bathroom. That's oh
5: yeah. Bad. Everything outside—it's weird, but yeah, it's also it, it's old. antiquated. Yeah, well, it's one hundred years old, isn't it? Yes, and the tunnels are narrow, and you can't get through there. I mean, seriously, it—it's it's awful, and um. You know, I've been in the Rose Bowl several times. Of course, UCLA, that's their their home stadium. And when I lived out in L.A., I went to some games. I went to a championship. Um, I think it was, well, Lars, you might know this. Was it Miami and Nebraska in the early 2000s? Yeah. In the Rose Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, I was at that
2: game. Miami spanked Nebraska pretty good. Oh yeah, the that was that was yeah. Thank you, Laura Lee, because that game marked the end of everything in my life. So, <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I was the Laura Lee to see it. <laughs> and, I I, mean, I'm surprised I was- it took you this
2: long to bring that game up. But, <laughs> um, but you know what? Like the, the great thing is, you will get in this game the iconic sunset late. You know, probably the start of about fourth quarter or so. Uh, it's it is so beautiful that and, and Laura Lee, you 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 can testify to that, correct? When you were there last,
5: I I can, but Laura,
1: I'm not there for the sunset. I'm there for football time. you <laughs> <laughs> so low. You got me again, hey, <laughs> Laura Lee. Um, that's a great <laughs> answer. What what are the uh, couple of things through your eyes that Alabama really needs to do to beat the Wolverine?
5: Stop the run. I mean, you know, we, the team that uh, was on the field for the Auburn game, um, you know, we've got to stop that in LSU. We couldn't stop the husband Trophy winner. But um, I think that um, they know that. And so I think you have to be... Uh, very cautious about some twists that Harbaugh will throw in there, and um, you know, pray to goodness that Alabama has changed their signs.
1: <laughs> oh, quite a few times, I would think. Yeah, you have yeah. to bring
5: that up. No, yep. Nobody's really talking about that, so um, I think everybody's hoping that well, not everybody, because you can look at the betting line, and and see that there are a lot of people betting for michigan to win and if you ever saw it over two which i thought i saw it at two two and a half i would have grabbed that bet if i bet on alabama game. um because i i don't see a way that michigan is going to win this game but i wear crimson colored glasses
2: Laura Lee, I, I don't think you are in this case. You know, every reporter we've talked to uh, that covers Alabama just absolutely does not. <laughs> every every ex, so called expert just doesn't think this is going to be that close of a game, and that Alabama is going to win this handily. And I, I frankly, I feel the same way. I think Alabama is going to win by seventeen to twenty one points. But you know, but I. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe we're all missing something. But I just, I don't understand this line. And it's it's one of the more confounding lines that I can remember seeing come out of Vegas.
5: And you know what? I'm all right with that. Going in as dogs and then Harbaugh saying what he said about Jalen. I'm like, keep talking. <laughs> you know, comparing him to his backup quarterback. But, uh, you know, I was like, y'all just keep talking. Keep doing it. Give us everything we need and then some. As if this team, which is playing like a team, like I, no other team I've seen in recent years. And I think they have done all of this together. And that that is an intangible that i think is very very important this team and the whole blank and everything that goes about um, you know not just x's and o's
1: so well stated that's why we have you on lauralee as we roll into our break would you tell everybody your contact information
5: Well, you can reach me on my website at The Bama Broker and on social media, The Bama Broker, or just give me a call at 205-790-7229. There's a lot going on in real estate right now. Um, I'm actually getting ready to lift four houses as soon as the new year hits. So, I mean, people are moving and shaking.
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask you re- really quick, Loralee, What what is the sort of uh, projection for January for the housing market?
5: Well, I I think, well, Tuscaloosa is a little bit different. I normally would wait until uh, the championship because that's after that date, things start rolling. Uh, but I think with the rates where they have moderated, Uh, that people are interested again in the market and we're going to see rates go down this year the feds already come out and said that so as they continue to moderate down i think we're 2024 is going to be a good year
2: well thank you so much laura lee uh that's really good stuff and uh we will uh, be having you in studio uh, in starting in about two weeks from now every Thursday. Look forward to that. Uh, enjoy your New Year's and enjoy the Alabama-Michigan game. This Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. This is Big Noon Sports. We'll be right back. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS
4: number 230376. Sports Talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: On Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Wyatt is at the controls. Did you see where Damani Jackson, the USC outstanding defensive back, he put himself in the transfer portal? He had two in mind, Alabama, Michigan. Lars, guess who he guess who he chose?
2: Yeah, it's this is a big get for Alabama. Um he is—he's uh, going to be a guy who can come in and uh, start right away. I think in that uh, in that uh, spot that's going to be vacated uh, by Kool Aid, right? Or, or I am sorry, by Arnold uh, and and Kool Aid, right? They're both going to be going <laughs> into the draft, and both will be picked in the in the first round. So uh, that's a big pickup. What what do you know about him? I I, I honestly I. Just have read just bits and pieces here and there. I don't, but do that I, much yeah, I do probably. know that he uh, he has a big time ability. I
1: I know I like his name, and I know if you're a five star and you go to USC, you're probably really good. And he's played he played a lot for the
2: Trojans. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, a. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's a big, big win for for Alabama. Alabama already has has, has taken one, uh, gets gets one victory over Michigan before uh, they even strap on the on the, the chin straps here in uh, in a few days.
1: I want to ask you a question, Lars. Most people kind of have a different feel for Aaron Rodgers even if you're a Packers fan you know that he can be a little bit of a tool Um, sometimes he can be very strange in fact and I saw an article yesterday that made me feel a little bit better about Aaron Rodgers you know the Jets have been working with him about putting him on the practice putting him on the practice field and getting him on nobody's saying he's going to play yet But he didn't like the way the Jets were doing it logically, I guess. Did you read the story? I did not. He didn't want to be put on the practice squad. Why? Because that would take a player away. You understand? He's not going to play. He's just kind of out there. So the Jets wanted to make this move. Aaron Rodgers said, let's not make this move because I don't want so-and-so whoever the guy kind of was last lowest on the totem pole. I didn't, uh, he didn't want that guy to lose his job. That's what he said. I I, don't want that guy to lose his job. He didn't specifically know exactly who it was. He just knew by putting him on the 53 man roster that it was, uh,
2: going to cost the guy literally a job. I honestly, I did not understand the logic of putting Aaron Rodgers on the active roster. I did because I, I, I look. I, I told you. I, I bet you my kids that Aaron Rodgers doesn't take a snap this year. <laughs> you can't come back from a torn Achilles as fast as uh, he was proclaiming he was going to be able to come back. Now maybe if the Jets made the Super Bowl, perhaps he could make it to the Super Bowl, but not before then. And so you're, you were going to elevate him to the active roster off of injured reserve. Therefore, uh, you're going to have to uh, eliminate one other person from the active roster. And at this late in the season, guys are already, they're playing banged up already. And there are times when you got to get to that 53rd man on the active you know, uh, it, it, it it was just uh, crazy to me that you just would you would throw away a roster spot just to have Aaron Rodgers put a uniform on on game day. I I really found that to be a baffling decision, just right out of the gate from uh, from the general manager of the Jets and to slee the head coach. Like, what are you guys doing? I I just didn't get it.
1: I still don't get it. But then again, I think back to the last uh, 40 years of the way the Jets have organized and played, and it doesn't surprise me a bit. So, you know, let's face it. It's been a while. It's the last time they went to the playoff.
2: With Favre? Jeez, <laughs> With yeah, Namath? It, it, With Richard been, Todd? <laughs> it's been a while. It is. A, it has been a while. But um, yeah, go, going back to Demonte Jackson... Uh, you're right. This is, this is somebody who's going to be able to come in and really contribute right away. And, and it's worth remembering, as you mentioned, that uh, he's, a, he's a former five-star. Uh, he's got two years of eligibility remaining. Uh, and it did come down to Alabama and Michigan. Uh, he went to practice on uh, Thursday afternoon uh, at the Rose Bowl. And was was there, and there's video of Nick Saban greeting him. Uh, you know, for Nick Saban to run over to you uh, as <laughs> as practice is going on, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Um, and uh, so, in, in, in you you look back at at where where uh, this young man ranked Jackson. Uh, in coming out in the class of 2022, uh, 7 sports, uh, their recruiting site had him as the 15th best player overall. And, uh, Alabama recruited him hard, uh, coming out of high school. Um, and Alabama was in the final three originally with USC, uh, and, and Michigan. He chose USC, obviously, and he, um, you know he's uh, he's six foot one, played in eleven games this season, 6'1", 190. and uh, with Alabama, you know, ready to or uh, about to lose um, Kool Aid and uh, Terry and Arnold, he's really he's going to be needed, and so now you have uh, Jackson coming in, former five star. You have Lt. Overton. Uh, that uh, former five-star defensive lineman who's transferring from Texas to Alabama. He made that announcement on December 5th. Um, Look, I mean, Alabama's done very well in the transfer portal. I mean, these are two, like, home runs. and, And really, I think Nick Saban's philosophy is that he looks to the portal to address needs at the top end of the depth chart because when you, when you lose guys early to the NFL draft, you need somebody to go in right away. Uh, and it looks like uh, you're gonna be able to do that with both LT Overton and now with Jackson, a, a terrific quarterback cornerback, Monte Jackson and um, with a huge upside potential.
1: You are spot on about the way Nate, Nick Saban. You know, in many ways, I've drawn this parallel before. They, uh, some ways, the transfer portal is like what teams used to do with a junior college. You know? Yeah. You need a defensive end. You go find the best one in, um, I don't know, in, in Kansas or Mississippi. And you bring them in. And oftentimes, those guys could start for you. And they would fill that gap. And I think it's in, in its original intent. I like the transfer portal for that, but this constantly jumping around. And I see that, you know, guys are going for the second and third time of the portal. Lars, I thought there was a rule against that now. Is that not take place until 2024?
2: Uh, That's
1: a good question.
2: I'm not Um, sure. Um, And I I, I don't know the answer. why, Why are the top junior colleges for football in Mississippi and Kansas? They seem to be. There's a ton of them in Kansas, <laughs> and I've, I've done some stories on on a few of them. But you know, uh, didn't Cam Newton go out to Kansas for JUCO? Um, yeah, it's just strange that that again. Uh, I don't know. Our, our, and our junior college is being hurt by the transfer portal.
1: Oh, uh, there's. I don't think there's any question. When's the last time you heard of a, a guy that had been? You know, gone two years at Itabitta. I don't uh, know that's Mississippi <laughs> College. The ones at Scuba. The one that's like an hour and a half from here. Yeah. Uh, the big one. The big one that Brittany did all the stories on. When, what was it called? Last Chance you? Yeah. You don't hear of junior college guys coming in because would would you rather go to the transfer portal? And, yeah. and let's face it. As long as we're talking about junior colleges, what were they there for? They were there for the four- and five-star players that didn't make it academically. When's the last time, Lars, somebody has said, well, that guy doesn't have the grades? (laughs) Uh, 15 years?
2: I could, yeah, I could riff long about that. But, yeah, you're right. You don't hear that anymore. Prop 48. Um, When's the last time? (laughs) Um, That's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how they're wiggling around that, because these universities and colleges uh, certainly still have their academic standards. Maybe all kids... Hey, I'd like to think the kids are just a lot smarter now. How's that?
2: Could be. Could be. Don't think so, but could be.
1: (laughs) Well, if you look at some of these national test averages, we're going the opposite direction. The rest of the world is flying past our youth, but... That's getting closer and closer to a political venue, which you and I are not going to get into. I would would like to talk for a minute about uh, Auburn and Maryland because I uh, think it's an interesting matchup. Um, There are a few keys to this game and a few observations we might want to put out there. And that's what we're going to do as we continue Big Noon Sports. By the way, um, we are very heavy guested in our last 30 minutes of the show. So, We literally have darn near an hour where we can take your calls, want to know what you think about Alabama-Michigan, want to know what you think about uh, what's going to happen in the other bowl games as well. Uh, Talk Alabama basketball. Talk anything you want to at 205-342-9904. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
6: on The Game with Ryan Fowler.
7: Coming up on the Friday edition of The Game, presented by Brian Hart and Construction. We will continue talking Alabama, Michigan as we're live here in L.A. We're getting you ready for the big game. It is presented by Taco Casa, Chicken Salad Chick, Bet You, Blue Spring Living Water, Briar Spray Foam, Daniel art.com Chuck Norwood, Remax of Gulf Shores. We're going to talk Alabama, Michigan, Alabama defense, On the showcase, we'll talk about it starting at 2 o'clock here on the game. The longest running sports program
6: in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Trust your trophy.
2: Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. You could see a rain
3: shower or a sprinkle, maybe a flurry today. But no impacts expected, topping out around 46. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies with an overnight low of 32. And for your Saturday clearing during in the afternoon, after a cloudy start, today daytime high forty nine. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide one hundred point nine.
4: It's forty seven degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T town to the plains, this is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: It is Big Noon Sports. Welcome back. You got Lars. You got Matt. You got why. And we got your phone calls. If you'd like to dial us up, it's 205-342-9904. A little chilly to get up and about, so maybe you're just hanging around watching bowl games. Um, It's a good day to do that. I love it when you can turn on a bowl game at 11 o'clock in the morning, and then if you like, you can watch all the way to almost midnight. That's the case right now. Kentucky, I like this matchup. Kentucky is leading Clemson at the half, 14 to 10. Then uh, in just a bit, you've got Oregon State, Notre Dame. Then uh, this afternoon you've got Memphis, Iowa State. then tonight, Missouri, Ohio State. And then tomorrow, you, you've got uh, what's a, one o'clock kickoff, something like that? No. I'm looking it up now.
2: Talking while I'm searching is not a good policy. Uh, Auburn and yeah, Maryland that's it. It's, it's, it's one one off. central. One central on ABC. Yeah. Uh, Auburn this. is a six-and-a-half point favorite. Your thoughts on this game? Well, I, I, I was thinking about sort of the big picture here. Um, so Hugh Freeze nearing the end of his first season at Auburn. What grade would you give Hugh Freeze um, this year? Because, uh, you know, for the last few seasons, Auburn has just been around six wins this year. Uh, they start six and four. They lose their last two, including, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that incredible game uh, against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Um, but if they can win tomorrow, Auburn would have their highest uh, single-season win total since 2019, given the fact that, uh, again, this is Hugh Freeze, and he's trying to, to build a program, and, and he is known as a, as a program builder, right? He most recently did it at Liberty after, you know, losing his job at Ole Miss because of off-the-field behavior. Uh, which he has uh, addressed, and I think he has gone about his business of rebuilding his reputation about as well as a as a coach can. And uh, but 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 Matt, again, what for this first year? Again, big picture, if they, if Auburn can win, th- does it. Does it feel like it's a success? Does it feel like it's a, a C grade? For this year year one of the of the freeze era or does it feel like uh you that that they underachieved
1: you know so many players opt out and the entire playing field is different right now with with both rosters so i don't give a lot of count to this game as far as evaluating hugh freeze's season in fact my grade right now would be a solid b and even if they lose after you know next Tuesday, Sunday, I would give him another B. Um, Here is why: they uh, they lost to San Jose, to, excuse me, to New Mexico State. Clearly, they were not prepared. Clearly, they were looking ahead, and that's all on Hugh Freeze. So you got to take points away. And in fact, in my opinion, a full letter gate letter grade, and so I would give him a solid B. But here's what I think is very promising for Auburn fans. In uh, the early 80s, when Barfield was dismissed and they hired this guy that had coached one year at Wyoming, but nine years at Alabama as an assistant under Bryant, they brought in this Pat Dye guy. And he was a no-nonsense, knuckle-fisted guy. And he started flipping things. As far as recruits and attitude, just the same way that Hugh Freeze has done. And in his first year, they had near misses against guess who? Georgia and Alabama. See, I feel like in the next year, maybe two, you're going to see those near misses turn into victories. And Hugh Freeze is going to be celebrated in a huge way, as he should be. So... In taking ninety seconds to answer your question, mine is a B for freeze.
2: You, yeah, yeah. I I uh, I think it's B. Um, you know, it, it takes a while to reshape the roster and the image of the likeness that you want, and so uh, it's uh, you know, uh, it, it just it, it takes time. It takes time. One thing I don't I don't get, or I, that I don't necessarily approve of is uh, Talia to his brother who has been the starting quarterback at Maryland Um, he's been there for four seasons Uh, he owns almost every career Maryland passing record including yards about 11,000 touchdowns 76 career completion percentage uh, 67% career 300 yard games 15% and what does he do? He opts out of the game. He opts out of the game, and I just uh, I I I hate that. I hate that. I mean, he was uh, he was so he's been so loyal to Marilyn and to uh, Mike Loxley and. Um, you know, and and he even he he said before the season that a SEC school offered him one point five million to transfer. But what did he do? He stayed. He was a second team All Big Ten for the second straight season. Um, he set the conference's all time passing record in the regular season finale, and um, you know. So now the reason he opts out, you know, there, maybe NFL maybe play at another college uh, to reap the rewards of uh, of NIL, right? Um, but, in, in, and I get it, because that, if you're a 5'11 quarterback, and I don't even think he's 5'11, I mean, he's probably closer to 5'10, 5'9, you know, his earning power doesn't last forever. His earning power may be more uh, intense right now or more there's more potential earning power right now than there is even next year if he goes or you know if say he plays one season and then goes to the nfl draft he may earn more money next year staying in college than he will as uh, as a sixth round draft pick so i get it i mean he doesn't want to suffer an injury in a meaningless game I mean, and, and that's what bowl games are. You know, if you're not playing in the playoffs, and Nick Saban is right, he, Nick Saban, is right. We, the, the playoffs have definitely devalued all the other bowl games. So if he gets injured, his earning power suddenly evaporates. So I get that. But at the same time, man, you are the leader of this team. This is a significant game. This is the culmination of your time at Maryland. And you, Decide not to play.
1: I don't get it either. And if you're not, if you're gonna opt out, don't you enter the transfer portal? Has he done that yet?
2: Um, I no, I I, I don't believe he has. That's um, odd, very odd. And well, see, what are you it, opting Also, out? yeah, no. So he he is uh, he's trying to get an extra season of eligibility. And it it's, looks like he probably will. Um, in, uh, it, it, that's a complicated case in, itself, in and of itself. But there's a lot of sort of uh, scuttlebutt out there that he w- it wants to transfer to the University of Miami to be in the same city as his older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that'd be pretty incredible for his parents, right? <laughs> uh, who fly all over the country to see their sons play every weekend. Uh, and, and, man, the, 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 those two, uh, Galou and, and Diane, what terrific people they are. Um, but I don't know. And apparently Mike Loxley has said, you know, he understands it and uh, he, he gets that this is just how business is done now in, in this current age of, of college football But nonetheless, uh, I don't really like it, to be honest. (laughs) No, uh, it's a very odd situation, and many
1: questions need to be answered here, and I guess eventually they will. But
2: couldn't he make more money
1: in the NIL than he's going to make as a fifth-round draft pick? Yeah.
2: I mean, mean, who has more money than anyone else in NIL? Miami. (laughs) And so it would make sense that... You know, what if Miami's offering him three million bucks, four million bucks? I mean, you know that he's, he's already make that aware, more than holding a clipboard, you know, for whomever. But I, I don't think it's a lock that he is going to be an NFL player. Nor do I. Um, he, he's a great college player, and it would have been wonderful if he could have, uh, you know, uh, been able to. Played Alabama after doing so well in high school here in Birmingham. But um it'll be interesting to see what happens. Interesting to All see right. where, where he ends up.
1: Answer the million and a half dollar question. Who was the team that offered him in the SEC?
2: Auburn, maybe? I don't know. That's who I would have guessed. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, so the, the team that they're guess, playing. That
2: was... Yeah, so the team that they're playing. By the way, I like Auburn in this game. I think Auburn's going to win twenty-seven twenty, cover the spread okay. by half a point. How about you? It is,
1: it is six and a half. Um, yeah, I, I like that. Um, uh, and I'll I'll be there I'm going to Nashville in the morning. Hey, uh, coming up next hour, we will be going live not once but twice to Pasadena. So. Hang in there as you listen to Big Noon Sports brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
2: Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com.
0: Town Square, WTBC Tuscaloosa and W two six five CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square Media station, Tide one hundred point nine, and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. From the Fox Sports studios in Los
5: Angeles
0: here's Nick
8: Cope. News in the NFL. Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel said quarterback Tuatunga-Vailoa is expected to play against the Ravens despite being on the injury report for quad and left thumb issues. Miami has ruled out receiver Jalen Waddle with a high ankle sprain. Bengals receiver Jamar Chase limited in practice today with his shoulder injury. Coach Zach Taylor was non-committal on his ability to play against the Chiefs. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin confirmed Mason Rudolph will start again at quarterback. Commander's quarterback Jacoby Brissett, who who was announced as the starter this week, is now questionable to play against the 49ers with a hamstring injury. Sam Howell would play if Brissett can't go. Colts receiver Michael Pittman has cleared concussion protocol and is on track to play against the Raiders. Running back Zach Moss has been ruled out. College football at the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida, Kentucky, with a lead on number 22 Clemson at halftime,
4: 14-10. to 10. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey,
1: it's the final hour of 2023, Lars, that you and I are going to be on the air. Let's do a real quick impromptu. Yep. Uh, just name off a couple of huge stories from this year. Obviously, not limited to Alabama.
2: Well, okay. I, you know what? You and I didn't even discuss. It can't be this.
1: Nebraska or Cincinnati. No,
2: we didn't discuss this. But, but no, uh, we have not discussed b- it at all. Before we jump into that, I want to just review a few of the sports legends who we lost in 2023, and I want to just get your reaction. To what you what you think of, and then what I think of when we bring uh, the, these uh, these uh, again iconic people up who uh, who are no longer with us. So, uh, and this is I think we'll, we'll start with uh, Ken Block, right? A motorsports icon. He's known for his stunt driving. Um, he uh, was a co-founder of uh, that uh, action sports apparel brand, DC Shoes. He died in a snowmobiling accident. Do you know yeah. anything about Ken Block? Did you meet him no. Were you
1: just know? No, I never met him in all the years, but I certainly knew of him. And I never met him in person. You you probably did, but from all of that I read and and, and what he competed in was a swell guy and to, to lose him in a snowmobile accident is obviously that's
2: it's pretty tragic. Yeah. Um so uh the next one is uh Robbie Knievel. Uh and we all know, right, the uh, the the Daredevil motorcycle jumps, uh, he was sixty years old. Uh he kind of was following in the in the in the tire tracks, so to speak, of his father, Evil Knievel. And uh I once had dinner and this was the one of the craziest nights of my life. Uh, I sat between, uh, and this was before like like an Indy, like a Wednesday before the Indy 500. I sat uh, next to, Robbie was on my left and Florence Henderson, Mrs. Brady, was on my right. And the three of us just had the best time. None of us had ever met before. We really didn't have that much in common. But I grew up watching the Brady Bunch and to have uh, you know the uh, the the matriarch of all moms, <laughs> Mrs. Brady, sitting uh, next to me, and then and Robbie was such a, a funny oh, guy, man. and uh, and just it, Matt, it's just one of those things that you, you don't you can't even prepare for it. <laughs> because you can't I, make that up. No, i never heard
1: no. that either. You didn't go station wagon Greg Brady on Florence <laughs> Henderson, did you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Like, never, never mind. Uh, no, 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 don't
2: answer I'm, that. Don't. Answer. I look. I I really like Florence Anderson. What can I say? And so did Robbie. And you know, by the end of the night, after a couple bottles of wine, um, you know, we were all very um, affectionate toward each other. And I still have pictures of, of the three of us. And uh, it was in Indianapolis. I think Florence Henderson was there to sing uh the, whatever song that is that they always sing before the West Indy 500. And
1: Something about Wes and all.
2: Yeah, yeah. One and, of those commercials. And, and, and Robbie uh may have been like the honorary starter. And so and then I was just, you know, there was a Sports Illustrated writer and uh it was just it was a great night. It That's was crazy. a great night. And and I hadn't even thought of that until like, just just now. I, I sort of put it back in my memory. But anyway, Robbie Knievel, did did you ever uh, were you no about uh, evil evil Knievel?
1: No, never had any uh, interactions with him either. I just I remember as a kid watching him. They, ABC would have a live broadcast of him trying to jump the fountains at Caesar's Palace, I'm trying to uh, jump the Grand Canyon yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, was, that was pushing it to the point of hokiness, but yeah um, I mean that wasn't a motor so that was a rocket and yeah. it failed a second in and he pulled a shoot you know I think I think we could all kind of see that coming but as a daredevil, I think he broke the ice for many others and the thing that made him different from a lot of the others, including his son is that he was just so flamboyant. Um, and and he liked the fact that he'd broken every bone in his body. Uh, he was very charismatic, more so than many others. And in fact, I think didn't evil like date Lonnie Anderson or something. He yeah. was he was known for his lifestyle as well. So. There, that's what I know about uh, Robbie. Have you got another one for us? Uh,
2: yeah, okay. Billy, We lost Billy Packer, age 82. Such yeah. a great college basketball broadcaster. Covered 34, 34 Final Fours for NBC and CBS. Um, Bobby Hall, uh, the Hall of Fame hockey player, uh, helped uh, the Chicago Blackhawks win the 1961 Stanley the Cup Finals. He was sports. 84. Uh, Tim McCarver, uh, who uh, you know he was a, an all-star catcher uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals won two World Series and then became a uh, one of the I think one of the best uh, broadcasters one of the country's most recognized baseball broadcasters. I know some people didn't really care for McCarver because he, he he was very talkative but I always I liked him. And, uh, you know, I remember watching Tim McCarver call World Series when I was a kid. And I just, I just thought there was something uh, melodic about his voice.
1: He was uh, very well informed. And guess what position? We've just been talking about it. He's the only one facing the right direction. So his knowledge and observations of the game over the many, many years behind the plate make him um, a, a skillful. Skillful announcer. Um, But I don't know. There was always just a touch of aloofness that I picked up in his delivery. And and I think it was there. I I, I think that sometimes, though, you got to have that. But he went tad over the top. But I would much rather uh, tally up his positives. And he was an outstanding catcher. And he did a great job with the
2: mic, too. And uh, Willis Reed. Dad at 80 uh what a guy what a man yeah yeah what a man um just the uh, image of him dramatically emerging from the Knicks locker room minutes before game 7 of the 70 NBA finals um to you know, and he scored the first basket, and it may have been the only basket he scored in that it was, game. I believe. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, but but that is one of this uh, one of basketball's most enduring examples of, of playing through pain. And Let me ask you something, Lars. Could you see
1: Kevin Durant do that?
2: <laughs> Probably not. Not even close. <laughs> Probably not. Um, Vita Blue. Vita Blue, we lost Vita Blue at age uh, 73. He uh, he helped the A's uh, to three straight World Series titles. Uh, uh, and then um, his career is kind of derailed by by drug issues. But what do you remember about Vita Blue? I just
1: remember in 71, you know, we're all young kids in Little League. And he just blazed on literally blazed onto the scene in Major League Baseball and, bam! all the kids in the neighborhood, we tried to be like Vita Blue. And, of course, we couldn't. Um, mainly because he was left-handed, right? Um, yeah.
2: But... This is was a great, hard, he, was, he was a hard-throwing lefty. Yeah, For some reason, like it doesn't seem like lefties throw the... Some, no, seems like lefties right. don't throw the juice as much as the right. He righties. Did. He but, was
1: a left-handed Bob Gibson is what he was. But yeah. uh, one of the things I remember, which is a great or very blasé trivia question, is that he is one of the... Uh, he's a switch hitter that won the most valuable player. Wow, yeah. Because he, Um, you know, back, that's back, by the way, when you used the bat as a pitcher, too.
2: Yeah. Back those days for Matt. Um, I think the biggest name probably that we lost in 2023 in the sports world uh, Jim Brown. Uh, I'd say arguably the, the greatest. I, I would still say he was the greatest running back in NFL history, even though his career was, uh, I believe, only six seasons long, seven maybe. But
1: that's because he was a man that wanted to make an impact and did um, in, in civil rights and uh, on the movie screen. He's pretty gar- he was a pretty good actor.
2: But. And just a, a couple of Tim Wakefield. Uh, gosh, that was recent. horrible! Losing Wakefield at age 57, the knuckleballer uh, for the Red Sox, and remember, he started as a as a fastball pitcher with the Pirates, and then uh, he, he he got hurt and he just reshaped his entire game. Uh, Dick Butkus, lost Butkus. He was my dad's favorite defensive player of all time. Uh, we talked about Bobby Knight a lot on this show. Uh, losing him at, at age 83 on November 1. And, um, you know, that, those are just a few of, uh, of the sports giants that we lost in 2023.
1: Sad that we lost them. We've got more coming up on Big Noon Sports. In fact, why don't we uh, take a little stroll down memory lane and talk about huge events on the field, on the ice, on the floor. As we continue this last edition of 2023 of Big Noon Sports.
2: and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, Who's as roll tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the That's Laura Lee at the Bama Tide 100.9
3: Tuscaloosa weather. You could see a rain shower or a sprinkle, maybe a flurry today with no impacts expected, topping out around 46. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies with an overnight low of 32. And for your Saturday clearing during the afternoon after a cloudy start, the daytime high 49. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 48
0: degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: More Big Noon Sports coming up.
1: My my must-see picture of the day comes from pasadena where else and it is nick and terry sabin on what looks like to be a small sleigh maybe even like in a float or something and they are you know parading themselves down the streets of disneyland and it looks like they might have a a granddaughter in between them and Terry's all smiles. The child is all smiles. And Nick is trying to smile, but you can tell he would rather have somebody be taking his fingernails off. He's got that Christmas smile on, but you know he's thinking, man, I need to come up with another blocking scheme to run the football on Michigan. Have you seen that photo? Uh, I have
2: not. It's, but, uh, look it up in a uh, minute. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> I love it. Love it, love it, love it! All um, right, yeah. Let's uh, let's get into uh, the best sporting events of 2023. What, what, are, you, uh, what are you? What are you? What you starting with here?
1: You know, it's very, very hard to not start in your top or your top five with the Alabama-Albert game. For goodness sakes, what drama! And then the Alabama-Georgia game wasn't bad either. But there were several other moments outside uh, of our region that I think you can embrace as well. Um, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, postseason baseball. Shohani, Shoyotani, $750 million. Now, that's a signing, but there were others. Uh, I know you're an NFL guy, so I might hand the ball off to you with the National Football League.
2: I mean, what about Taylor Swift, (laughs) her takeover of the NFL? You know, um,
1: that would probably be it because you could bring so many other people voting in from the Taylor Swift side. By the way, have you seen that his numbers have really, really dropped since he's been
2: dating? Yeah, there are. Does one have to do the other? No, no. Uh, The Chiefs are just out of sync. And uh, a lot of Chiefs fans are actually uh, incorrectly, in my view, blaming Taylor Swift because of the distraction that she has caused. And they've made the Chiefs into this circus, uh, or she's made the Chiefs into this circus atmosphere. And I don't know, Chiefs are struggling. But when Patrick Mahomes uh, fumbles the ball and lets the Raider and the Raiders return it for a touchdown. And then the very next play, he throws a pick six and gives up 14 points. I mean, there's some coaching issues going on there. And Mahomes just uh, seems a, a tick off. Hopefully he'll remain a tick off because the Bengals are going to Kansas City, going to Arrowhead on Sunday and uh, desperately need a win to uh, keep their playoff hopes alive. But um, but yeah, I'd say Taylor Swift uh, in the NFL and in NBA, I, I think it's pretty obvious it's uh, LeBron uh, breaking the scoring record, um, you know, uh, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, who took the record from Wilt Chamberlain, and Wilt Chamberlain was born, or I'm sorry, LeBron was born eight months before Will Chamberlain uh, had, broke the record himself. And so uh, it was cool that that Kareem was on hand uh, for that moment when LeBron became the, the leading scorer. But, um, yeah, so in... Uh, where, where do you want to go do you want to go uh baseball you, you, i'll throw the or i'll hand the baton to you for just uh, another moment from 2023 that really uh sticks out to you
1: well i think um i'll go to ncaa basketball tournament both men and women the lsu iowa game was one of the most compelling basketball games i've ever seen not to mention that it was uh the finals with uh two outstanding players and we talked about that game at length over more than one day about what a mark that it had on women's college basketball and the men's tournament had a lot of drama as well when you had a couple of teams that were really off the radar i mean did, did you think that the florida team international or is it Atlantic? I get them mixed up. I think it's Florida It's going to make the Final yeah. Four and then Sa- San Diego yeah. State. How about that? That yeah. was That was very compelling. And then, Lars, I'm stealing your thunder. Nebraska, 100,000 people to watch a women's volleyball game. So I just threw those at you real quick. And I'll let you continue on the uh, Nebraska I really...
2: Well, no, I I want to stay with the college basketball and go to women's college basketball. To me, the the story of the year in women's college basketball, in in a lot of ways, if someone were to ask me what my favorite story of the year was, it's the emergence of Caitlin Clark for Iowa. I mean, she she is a female version of Larry Bird. She just has she can do everything. Everything uh, she can hit threes from you know thirty five feet, no look passes, and just uh, just she's just a beautiful basketball player. And I, 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 I again, I, I haven't seen anybody like her since Larry Bird. And when uh, when with Caitlin Clark, Iowa gets to the championship game against LSU. A record-shattering—I mean, it is not even close. Record-shattering. Twelve million viewers watched in, and and, and or, or or tuned in uh, to watch the game. And I mean, they saw what—I uh, mean, women's coaches, women's uh, college coaches who've been recruiting her since seventh grade—they they've seen it. They'd seen it for years, and that was just uh, her. Her creativity Her ingenuity Uh, There's no such thing As a bad shot For Caitlin Clark Just like there's no such thing As a bad shot For Steph Curry And she just uh, And she had swagger uh, Competitiveness uh, She's got a temper uh, You know It was just great I just loved everything About Caitlin Clark And she made her mark For sure
1: uh, I think there, another story was uh, the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks to a certain extent because uh, they were certainly not preseason picks to win the World Series, but the Diamondbacks made it, made it deep, but the Texas Rangers won it all. They have a World Series trophy, trophy in Arlington for the first time in that franchise's history. I think that's significant. So... They're just a couple of things, a couple of three, four, nine teams that uh, we talked about from 2023. What about
2: um, Owatani versus Mike Trout in the World Baseball Classic? Uh, That was pretty interesting indeed. Um,
5: Yeah, I mean,
2: Owatani in general. Yeah. I Um, mean, if you were going to say who's the most compelling figure. Of 2023 in the world of sports, he's got to be on the short list of finalists. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, and um, on, the, on the downside of it, um, I think you kind of have to uh, recognize the Braves for what they didn't do. Darn Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but the Braves had a record-setting season and one of the most dominating offenses in the history of the game, which didn't show up for postseason. And uh, that's why they didn't go any further than the first round for them in, anyway.
2: So that and, was tough for me. In college football of this season, I hate to say it, but if you ask uh, college football writers around the country what the biggest moment was, it's Texas 34, Alabama 24.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I think you could also recognize what happened afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Particularly to Alabama.
2: Oh uh, yeah, no, the, the Alabama season, story is not even—it's not even close to being fully written for no. <laughs> the season.
1: But you know, at the beginning of the season, uh, every media platform in the world was all about Dion. You remember the first five weeks of the season? Yeah, that was the headline everywhere. And then, of course, uh, they, sh- they kind of collapsed. They kind of—they did collapse. Uh, but that was a huge story. And I would think in the world of college football, although you appropriately pointed out that the story has not been finished, but I think even unfinished at this point, Milroe's one of the top stories in college football for sure and in all the
2: sports in many Yeah, agreed. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Jalen Milrow coming up on the other side, Matt.
1: Yeah, let's go live to Pasadena back-to-back. Ryan Fowler is going to join us in just a minute. And then we'll close out the year. Ah, as much as he does for our show, it's probably appropriate to have Mike Rodak on. You're listening to Big Known Sports.
0: in college football history collide. Shade look. He's got a wide open. 20, 15, touchdowns. It's Saban versus Harbaugh. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 this Monday on your home for Alabama football.
6: Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler.
7: Coming up on the Friday edition of The Game, presented by Brian Hart and Construction. We will continue talking Alabama-Michigan as we're live here in L.A. We're getting you ready for the big game. It is presented by Taco Casa, Chicken Sour Chick, Bet You, Blue Spring Living Water, Briar Spray Foam, Daniel art.com Chuck Norwood, Remax of Gulf Shores. We're going to talk Alabama-Michigan, Alabama defense, on the Showcase, we'll talk about it starting at 2 o'clock here on The Game. The longest-running
6: sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9
0: app. The two winningest programs in college football history collide. Shane look. He's got it. Wide open. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! It's Saban versus Harbaugh. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 this Monday on your home for Alabama football.
4: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
1: big noon sports final 30 minutes i may be going overboard on that but i just kind of suddenly realized it at one o'clock that uh, this is the last show of uh, of the year so i'll now start thinking about things i would like to do in 2024 uh one of them would be to uh see alabama beat michigan and when we get a couple of things uh, figured out as far as our communications are concerned. Technically. Hey, we'll get, we'll get Ryan. Fowler hey, I can hear
7: you. Great. All right. Hey Ryan, hey, what are you, are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I hope you guys are doing great. Can you hear me good?
1: Yeah. You're clear as a studio right now. Good. I'm okay. You yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm on
7: the, yeah. I'm on the tie line right here. So I'm live at, uh, uh, Matt, it's it's a very lonely radio row here. Um, it's singular, uh, Tide 100.9. And let me look down and see if anybody else has showed up. Just, just give me one second. I'm, I'm going to look okay. down and see if I – I'm going to take my binoculars here. Uh, <laughs> no, nope, there's nobody here. Uh, wow. Uh, but it's good, good that uh, Tide 100.9 is here and our great sponsors that allowed us to be here. And uh, we appreciate talking a little Alabama football with you guys. Thank you for uh, inviting me on.
1: Ryan, I just got to put this in there. As a longtime radio guy, and I've been a member of Radio Row when there were dang near 50 of them, but you're there flying solo. I just want to, yes, I'm going to pat ourselves, pat David DuBose and the town square meeting. The only radio station in the entire nation that is being represented at the Rose Bowl is you. He's tied 100.9, 95.3 The Bear, and 12.30 WTBC. I, I think that is something to boast about. So congratulations for putting it all together, and we have certainly benefited from you being on our show. I mean, you're live. You're there. Um, all right, let me ask you about Thank it you. quickly. The trip to Disneyland, uh, did you go? Did you see the picture of Nick Saban and all his fun?
7: Well, I did, I did not, because I was right there in the middle of my show, and they were leaving literally at the start of my show, and I, I did reach out to Disneyland to see if there might be a spot over there that I could broadcast from, and they said, no, they're not going to be able to accommodate that, so I said, okay, well, I'll just do it back here, and so I jumped on, literally did four hours, that was my first Actually, it was the second day uh, that they were here. They arrived on the 26th. The 27th was Disneyland, but I did see uh, Nick Saban, and, and it looked like the team was having a lot of fun. I did talk with a couple of people that uh, said, "Hey, it was pretty cool to go." But the, here's the, the little bit of a shocker for those coming out west. Okay, and I'm not a Disney expert, but I have been to Disney World a few times when our daughter was young, and you know we would take her down, and you know it's it's almost like the the happiest place on the earth. I think is their motto, and it it is. Here is a lot smaller. Uh, I think a lot of the media came back and told me and said, "Wow, I didn't realize it was so tiny. Just the geographical, you know, footprint of it is just tiny compared to what all of us are accustomed to down in Orlando. When you you, you go and you ride the bus from this center and you ride the the tram back and forth from you know Magic Kingdom to Epcot or wherever." it's it takes you a long time here you you can walk the park in just a few minutes so it's it's not it the comparison and and i didn't go but just listening to those guys talk that they were a little bit maybe i don't want to say underwhelmed but just accustomed to orlando and you see that i mean they got the castle but everything is almost a micro version of disney world
2: well, that's uh, good to know. I have not uh, embarked yet on the suicide mission of taking my twin girls, who are six. No, you got Lincoln to, <laughs> to Lars. You've got to
7: listen. Listen, I promise you, and I'm not here to promote Disney World, but but it, it is it is just unbelievable, especially at that age, first time they see Mickey Mouse or whatever their favorite cartoon yeah. character, and I know they've it. It's trust me. The eyes, oh, uh, it'll, it it You'll drop five thousand on a trip, uh, down there, uh, but it, it is worth it. Uh, th- yeah. Those were some great memories. Your, you, your kids would be the perfect age, to go and enjoy. There
2: uh, you go, Disney Lars. Well, there you uh, go, 2024. The, uh, I, I actually think they're listening right now.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yes, uh, Gary. Yeah, yes. Thank you. yes.
2: And, and and my girls have a birthday coming up. There, they turn seven here in about uh, a month. Uh, okay, Ryan. Rose Bowl, uh, in all the interactions you've had with players and coaches from both teams, whether it be just a one-on-one situation or at press conferences, is there anything that has struck you, anything that, that, that sticks out that you've heard so far from, from really anyone that you've uh, interacted with?
7: All right, so this is just an observation, okay? I asked a few questions to the Michigan defense, and it was very simple questions, um, but really what I wanted to ask, and I didn't have enough guts to ask it, okay? I, I, I walked up, and, and, and you guys have been there as a reporter. You, you, you want to ask a question that is that you get some information from, but at the end of the day, you also don't want to be rude. But I'm sitting there looking at this guy, and he's a defensive back. He's the starting safety and I'm looking at him, and I'm here's the thing that's going through my head because it's my first interaction with him. My question wanted to be, how in the world are you going to tackle Jalen Milrow? But I didn't want to ask that because I didn't want to be rude. But the size difference, it's obvious. It, it's there. There's some linemen that are comparable, but when you look at their skill guys, they're just we. I think we get accustomed to covering the sec and we almost think that's the norm and it's not and you see it when 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 you go to events like this and you have a different conference there and it, it may not be i mean you know you look at the weight that may be comparable but when you get up beside them 15 minutes later Jalen milro come walking in jace mcclellan came walking in and sat in the same chair so i had the same size and i'm going there's just a significant that that doesn't win the game but that's just been an observation for me looking and, and i went back and i asked some of my fellow media members i said uh hey did, did you guys see the size difference and they were actually talking about the same thing because it, it, it it's eye-opening not the lineman the lineman is comparable i mean as we know the big 10 produces a ton of offensive linemen but when you look at size of the skill guys they're not big that they're it it just something about the way that you know they're put together it it doesn't remind you of an sec team well then i started going back and i asked another question to one of the defenders edge guy and the question was okay give me a team that you think is comparable that you guys have already played to what you've seen on film from alabama and they went to ohio state so then i went through the ohio state numbers i I said okay okay let's let's take these numbers so I went and I, I started going through and I said, all right, let's look at the numbers of, of Ohio State offensively. So I, I grabbed their numbers and I, I threw them together and I said, OK, 425 per game, 425 per game. Let's go to the SEC and we'll go through the yardage there, just total yardage, just trying to compare, even though they're not the same. I said, where would 425 rank per game? Uh, Game and it's like middle of the pack of the SEC. So the top in the Big Ten yardage production is about middle of the pack. Now, I mean, these are the teams that it would compare against. They would compare offensively to Florida, Texas A&M, Alabama, South Carolina, offensive production for Ohio State. So then you you begin to look at it, you kind of like, okay, this is the best. So is defense really, really good at Michigan? It is. But I think it's also inflated because, or it's skewed simply because of, of the offenses don't really score a lot of points. Now, that's not saying you can't do it. It's just saying the sample size that we're looking at, the offensive production, and, and I, one of the other questions, I came up and I said, hey, give me a quarterback that reminds you of Jalen Milroe uh, in the Big Ten that you played. And several of the guys said, Talia Valoa. We've covered both of them. Mm-hmm. There is no comparison with Jalen Milrow and Talia tongue of Aloha. And um, I, I didn't, you know, as a reporter, you're just there to ask questions. You're not there to correct people. But uh, I think they're in for a rude awakening if, if that's what their mindset is.
1: Ryan, is there a noted demeanor difference between these two teams?
7: A little, a little. Um, and it. But there's also some similarities, too, because – Michigan is playing this card: the world is against us, and Alabama is playing the card that the world doubts us. Right, the link and all the different things. Uh, you, you know, you heard Jalen milroy talking about it yesterday with Bill O'Brien. I thought that was a, maybe the biggest take of the last couple of days. But the attitude, in, in some ways, they're similar, but in other ways, I, I think there's confidence for Alabama. I think they, you know, and why not? I mean, you just took down Georgia, uh, the number one team there. And, you know, we've heard it throughout the week. You know, Georgia, uh, Michigan is a poor man's for version of Georgia. And if you look at the statistics, they're there. Okay. But, but if Alabama stops Michigan's rushing attack or slows it down, what are the backup options? Because if you don't get that play action passing going, what's, what's next? Where, where do they turn to? They don't have a Brock Bowers. They don't have a wide receiver that can, can go and say, hey, guys, we're going to challenge. I mean, Alabama's got enough corners with Tarion and Kool-Aid, which seem to be healthy and, and ready to go. By the way, Jason McLellan's healthy and ready to go. He looked no limitations just at practice. But you, you take the defensive backs. If they can lock these guys down, what's the rebuttal? It's like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the mouth. All right, if you stop that rush... Where do you go? Where, where, if you're Michigan, it's not like you've got an Amari Cooper over here and we're going to bring him off the sidelines. They've not shown that. Uh, they've also not been behind. So if Alabama jumps on them early, you'll see how that team responds. I don't think they've been behind double digits all season. So, But they now they just wait like a snake in the, in the weeds. They wait for those turnovers, and then they take those turnovers and turn them into points. If you look at the way they beat people, that's the way they do it. They're almost patient. Will Alabama force them to get out of their comfort zone?
1: Great stuff. And for those listening in Tuscaloosa, there's four hours more of this starting at 2 o'clock. Ryan Fowler, thank you. Have a great weekend and a happy new year. And here's for great results as we turn the page on 2023. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan Fowler. You're you're welcome.
7: Appreciate you guys. Happy new year.
1: Thanks, that, you, Ryan. And, and same to you. We will go back to Pasadena to another reporter and another site, I guess, because he's not on Radio Row. Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7, next on Big News Sports.
6: On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson.
4: We well, hope everybody has a happy new year. And tune in Tuesday, 7.30. Kevin Skarbinski will join us. We'll look back at the Alabama-Michigan game. We'll also look at what's next for Alabama football. Will they be playing in the national championship on Monday night? Or will we have to deal with this roster and the transfer report? Also, We'll take your phone calls in the second hour on Tide, 100.9 and 12.30 a.m. WTBC.
6: Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. On Tide 100.9. And Tide100.9.com.
0: 9, Tuscaloosa weather. You could
3: see a rain shower or a sprinkle, maybe a flurry today. No impacts expected, topping out around 46. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies with an overnight low of 32. And for your Saturday clearing during the afternoon after a cloudy start, today time 549. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9.
4: It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Too. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Mike Rodak is our guest
1: from Pasadena, from Bama 24-7. And I think as I was talking to Lars a minute ago, Mike, this is very appropriate because I, I think you have been our most noted and often contributor to the show. Uh, you've been very generous with your time and we appreciate that very much to start this
8: off i appreciate being on and having the opportunity to talk to you guys
1: hey what's going on in pasadena just get just paint me a little picture right now some football all football disneyland what's going on
8: yeah there's a little bit of that i mean there's you know, they, they got in on Tuesday and they had the um, well they practiced right away and then they had the Disneyland trip for some players on Wednesday um, you know practiced again Wednesday Thursday today and then they'll have uh, the beef bowl at uh, Lowry's prime rib restaurant tonight but not a ton of off field uh, organized events I mean players kind of go to the steakhouse and Rodeo Drive and that sort of thing but um, you know it's then mostly football and i'll say this too i mean this could very well be the last year that we see kind of this big lead up you know to a bowl game the traditional week that you're gone is probably not going to stick next year when you have a 12 team playoff when you're potentially playing a first round playoff game in the middle of december and then you need to play a semifinal final or quarterfinal game and then a semi-final game and then the national championship in the span of three or four weeks I just don't see teams going on the road here for six or seven days. I mean, it's probably going to be a more condensed two- or three-day trip um, and then coming back home and kind of having players under one roof, which I think coaches want.
2: Mike, I'll ask you the uh, same question I just asked Ryan Fowler. Uh, in all your interactions uh, with Alabama and Michigan players and coaches, whether it be a, just in you know, a one-on-one situation or at a press conference, is there anything that is that has really struck you? Anything that sticks out?
8: Um, you know, not really. I mean, it's obviously the kind of the topic that started to crop up yesterday. It was kind of out of the blue, it was the whole iPad issue, yeah. Uh, you know, which I don't want to say became overblown, but I think there was probably uh, you know a little bit there where it was. Yeah, in Michigan, even said that they did it a while ago. Like they stopped um, having players have the iPads in like November. Um, so, yeah, is it truly Alabama shutting this down because of Michigan, or is it more of a widespread issue with the security of their film on that data system? And, uh, and the other thing too is, you also have a lot of players in Alabama who, just from a pure numbers standpoint, through the transfer portal, are going to be gone in a week. Uh, they're going to have to lose 10 or 12 guys just to fit all the players that they're adding. And you don't know who's talking to those players. You don't know if they've already talked to a new team, if there's money involved. And there is some risk in just giving them an iPad with all your practice film and kind of letting it be out there. Um, so instead of, you know, Alabama's done it where they have all the guys in the same room and, you know, there's checks and balances involved with that. So that was kind of the big story that kind of came up again kind of out of the blue this week um that a lot of guys were being asked about
1: hugh freeze declined to use the technology with headsets and quarterbacks and i think there were 14 bowls that were eligible to try that out i honestly don't know is this game one of them
8: Uh, As far as my understanding is, no, it's only the non-playoff bowl games, Um, and you know the playoff games are kind of traditional as it was this season. Um, And yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see not a ton of teams use that. Um, You know, teams kind of stuck with their traditional fan signals and all the silly stuff that we've talked about before. But you know, I I would imagine whether it's just the SEC or more widespread that there's going to be a lot more of that technology adopted next year. Um, and yet, and Sankey talked about it too, before the you know championship game that it's been accelerated because of the Michigan thing. And they've been talking to companies, you know, about headset technology and, you know, the wristbands that might be digital. And I, I think we're going to see that um, again, as soon as next year, where that's really where it should have been where play calls come in over a radio. I think, you know, I think teams can afford that.
1: What's the one thing that you have picked out, ma'am? Maybe not lim- limited to just one. What are uh, the Michigan Wolverines? What do you think their biggest problem? What What do you think they fear, for lack of a better word? And same question about Alabama.
8: Yeah, I mean, I think for Michigan, it's probably their ability to be explosive. Um, I think is where they're questioned the most, you know, I don't know if they fear it internally, but I think it's fair to say, you know, is that team, if they get behind in this game, able to throw the ball and beat Alabama through the air. Cause I think Alabama would love to have a game where JJ McCarthy's throwing the ball 35 times, 40 times. Uh, that's kind of what they want. They don't want Michigan to get into the groove of running the ball and you know, kind of wearing you down that way. That's what Michigan wants to do. So it is a case of if Michigan can't run the ball and they're in third and longs all day, can they throw? Um, do they have the playmakers in the outside? And I think, you know, they're better than they probably have been in the past, or better than what they were in a Citrus Bowl four years ago against Alabama. But you know, they're not S E C you know, it's not the most explosive passing team that Alabama's seen this year. So um I think would be the problem for Michigan for Alabama. It's kind of the opposite of Hey, yeah, I think stopping to run is part of it, but just, you know, offensively you're going, you are going up against the best defense in the country. Um, and so, you know, can Jalen Miller hold together everything that he's done so well and done so much better the last couple of months, the last month and a half, and continue to do that um, in this game, I think is, is still an open question. And if he doesn't, you know, if Jalen Miller starts making mistakes, turnovers, whatever, um, do you regress to where you were early in the season?
1: Mike, does one team have more or less swagger? What's the demeanor of Michigan and Alabama right now?
8: Yeah, you know, I think Alabama has a little bit of swagger in terms of they just beat Georgia. Um, you know, and there's that kind of we're proving people wrong. You know, Tyler Booker basically said there are like a bunch of misfits and Um, you know, they've had that chip on their shoulder, obviously, you know, lank and all that. Um, but you know, there is a danger, and I think even JC Latham said it where it's like an alligator after you, you eat, after the alligator eats his meal, that's when they're most vulnerable because they're satisfied and they're fat and happy, essentially. And um, they need to avoid that. You know, they just ate Georgia, so to speak, and um, you know, they can't have Michigan killing them, so to speak. So, you know, I think they're. Cognizant of that, I think Michigan, you know, they're the favorites, but I think there's also like an underdog mentality there where, you know, they've lost to the Georgia. They lost to the TCU. Um, they're trying to prove themselves that they're able to kind of get past not just the SEC, but get past the semifinal hump and a team that obviously has rallied around all the things that have happened to them and rallied around Harbaugh and, um, it's Michigan against the world and, um, you know, I don't know if that qualifies as swagger, but I think there is some, um, you know, just there's some motivation on their end uh, that they can kind of show people that they're more than just what they've kind of been accused of doing.
1: Mike, final question of the year for you here. What's Harbaugh like and what's Saban like in this atmosphere?
8: You know, I haven't really been around Harbaugh uh, because I wasn't here for the, the Disneyland thing on Wednesday um, which has been the only time that he's talked so far they're going to do a a media day tomorrow and then another coach is pressing off on Sunday morning Um, so I haven't really seen him you know Saban I I haven't really seen Saban yet either Um, but you know I think it's you know two coaches that have been here before and Saban obviously knows kind of the pitfalls of of this week and um, you know if guys aren't focused on what they need to do then you know things won't work out so I don't know if there's anything different about them. Um but again, we haven't really been around them too much to this point.
1: Okay, uh one more. What was uh maybe the most impactful favorite story that you covered with Alabama football this year?
8: Ooh. That's an interesting one. I'm trying to think back to the entire year, but um man, it's been it's been a different year. I'll say that. I mean, it South Florida game was probably the weirdest game I've covered yet. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's tough to say, but uh, it's definitely been a different year. Where it's been a
1: roller coaster it, uh, for you, hasn't it?
8: <laughs> yeah, it's not the typical. You know, you're I mean, fourth and thirty-one is probably up there as well in terms of it's not the typical year where by the second quarter you're writing your story and you know what you're saying every week and. <laughs> what the story is going to be and the questions are going to be. It's, it's been a lot more unexpected. Um, You know, that's what Saban's talked about too. It's enjoyable to kind of have something different.
1: Mike, enjoy your weekend in Pasadena. Thank you for joining us, not just today, but throughout 2023. And happy new year to you.
8: You too. Thank you. All right. Thank you.
1: Uh, You can catch up with him. On Bama 24-7, that's Mike Rodak, who just does an outstanding job as a beat writer for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Hey, anyway, uh, Wyatt, thank you. Lars, thank you. Thanks to the many people that have contributed to the show over the last 365 days. Uh, It's been a blast, and guess what? We will be back Tuesday at noon to talk about what happens in the Rose Bowl. Happy New Year.